welcome to Life Curious Women. I'm your host, Ashley Nadine Lopez, a committed lifelong learner. Between focusing on our wellness, careers, and the values important to us, we can sometimes feel overwhelmed or alone in our purposeful journeys to grow. Each week, we will bring you personal development, inspiration, community, and valuable insights as you continue your journey in becoming the best female leader you can be. Welcome back to Life Curious Women Season 3. I am so excited to be saying that. I can't believe that we are at Season 3 already. I mean, when I launched last June, I don't think I could even imagine where I am now. And so I'm just feeling really grateful that you're here with me and that we're at Season 3. I took a much-needed break after season two to recalibrate, focus on my wellness, and to really evaluate the direction in which I wanted to go with Life Curious Women. When I started Life Curious Women, I wanted it to be a place where I could elevate women's voices and really create community. And so I revisited a lot of my initial inspiration behind Life Curious Women to really figure out what direction I want to go I wanted to go in with season 3 and beyond. So one of the things I explored in that break was solo episodes. It was something that I always wanted to get started but I just never did and now I found an opportunity to take a break, reevaluate and I understood how important it would be to incorporate solo episodes because It's a perfect opportunity to dive deeper into topics that y'all want to hear. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to the solo series that I did, go back and listen. There are four bonus solo episodes, and I talk everything from my story to the inspiration behind Life Curious Women to habit-forming tips and tricks I had a blast diving into that new format, and I'm excited to continue building on that throughout the season. So as I reflected on the direction that I wanted to go in with Life Curious Women, I really came back to the idea of community and how important I think community is for women leaders to really have. And when I say women leaders, I'm not talking about, you know, the go-getter CEOs. I'm talking about all women, women leaders who are leading in their relationships, who are leading at work, of course, who are leading in their wellness, who just are prioritizing themselves and leading their lives with curiosity and finding ways to continuously learn and grow and stay open to opportunities. I think that a lot of times we find platforms or podcasts or groups where we solely focus on women leadership in the career context. And I want to talk about it in a more holistic way. Like I want to talk about it in the way that, you know, really encompasses us as humans. And I think that for me, it's been very important to you know, navigate my career, but also navigate my relationships and navigate healing through therapy and other forms of coaching, you know, navigate my wellness and my relationship with money. And so I really just want to be able to combine all of those things into one place where we can really come together and support each other on our growth paths incorporating everything, right? Because I think that you cannot be successful in your career if you're not facing your money relationship, if you're not facing your traumas and the things that come up in your, you know, triggers and your relationships, if you're not, you know, working on your mental health or your physical, you know, wellness. I think that all of it goes hand in hand and really builds on each other. So I think that Life Curious Women is where all of those things intersect and it's what I hope to continue to build and develop. So I have two really amazing and exciting updates for y'all. If you follow us on social media, you already know this, but we are having our first ever launch party 
on this Thursday, November 9th at 7 p.m. We are collaborating with Finn Vintage. As you will hear in a couple minutes, today's episode is all about the psychology behind fashion and the dangers of overconsumption and fast fashion. And so I was brainstorming ways in which I wanted to ring in season three. And I thought, what better way than to host it at my friend's uh, vintage store, my friend Madeline, who owns Finn Vintage. She curates the whole collection there. And I was just so excited to be able to bring this to her and collaborate on this together. It is also the four-year anniversary of Finn Vintage, and so it's just a perfect time to really support two female-founded brands and get a chance to shop. You get 15% off the whole collection while you're there and grab a glass of bubbly, connect with other women leaders, and really just have you know a moment to gather in community and find like-minded women. You can RSVP at the link in our show notes. We already have so many people RSVP'd and I'm just so excited. It's getting me super excited to talk with everyone and be able to get a chance to really come together and talk about the future of Life Curious Women. I want this to be a catalyst for the next level of what Life Curious Women will be. Because I really, really want to start developing this community and part of that is in-person and online events. And so I think that hosting a launch party for season three is the perfect way to really get this ball rolling and the fact that we get to collaborate with Finn Vintage and just host this private shopping event for y'all is so exciting and I just can't wait to continue building on this momentum. So the secondary update I want to share with y'all is, you know, my dream with Life Curious Women is really to grow their brand into this community of Life Curious Women leaders who are just finding those ways to balance all of these aspects in their lives and really grow in, in every way that they can. And the best way to do that is to do it in community and to have support and to have resources. So I am super excited to introduce the Life Curious Women membership. There are going to be many layers to how this membership will grow. But for now, what I can share is that I will be launching a weekly co-working and accountability group, which will be accompanied by a private Geneva group where members can stay connected through, you know, sharing resources, networking, sharing wellness tips, sharing New York City events and career advice and much more. If you don't know what Geneva is, it's kind of like a much cooler Facebook group or, you know, a Discord channel. It is a private group where you get to stay connected with people and there will be different categories to really be able to dive into whatever topics you find important to you. And so, yeah, I'm super pumped to get this started. You know, I think I have been searching for a long time for a community of women that are like this, that are really excited about their careers and are doing everything they can on that front, but who are also really excited about following their passions, about fulfilling their purpose, about being better humans to the world, but to themselves as well. And so I just am so pumped that this is the perfect opportunity to really start to build that and grow that because selfishly, I feel like I need it. (laughs) And so I'm just super excited for this membership and I just can't wait to get the ball rolling with this as well. So I am excited to continue to share more details on this. It is coming soon. And if you're interested in learning more about it, please sign up for our newsletter. We will share all of the details in the next coming weeks. And if you aren't signed up for our newsletter, the link is in our show notes and in our bio on social media. We will also be sharing details throughout the episodes this month, as well as on social media. But stay connected with us because there will be limited spots. And I want to make sure that, you know, we get all of you in and that we're able to really grow this community and have you be a part of that foundation of Life Curious Women. So stay tuned. Now, let's get into this week's episode. 
I am extremely excited to introduce our guest for this week, Dr. Dion Terralong, who is a fashion psychology researcher, commentator, and lecturer. You can find her on Instagram at the fashion psychologist underscore. This episode is so interesting. We talk all about the connection of what we wear and how we feel. Dr. Dion Terralong started her journey as someone who is interested in educational and child psychology. Halfway through her doctorate, she took a professional styling course, which really shifted the direction of her career. She has found a way to combine both fashion and psychology, two of her loves. And we talk about the connection of what we wear and how we feel and how everyday dressing practices really affect our mood. She talks about her experience as a stylist and how she noticed how clothing affects people's confidence and autonomy. And we round out the episode with talking about fast fashion and sustainability and why fast fashion is so appealing, why it's been so successful, and why we overconsume so much clothing. She gives us some advice on how to slow down the addiction of buying and consuming and just how to pay attention to your overall shopping habits. I'm really excited for you guys to listen. Take a listen. I am extremely excited to talk to you because I've been on my own personal journey uh, with fashion and sustainability. So yeah, how are you doing today? I am. I'm good. I'm good. Nice to speak with you. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, So I like to start off just with a little intro of who you are as a person. If you can just tell our audience for those of them who don't know who you are. Oh gosh, who am I? Uh, well, I'm over 30, so I'm permanently tired. Does that count? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Is that who I am? Um, no, I'm I am I'm Dr. Dion Terralong, and I am a fashion psychologist, but also a chartered child psychologist. Um, most of the stuff that I do at the moment is focusing on fashion psychology. So I um conduct research in the area. At the moment, it's dragging out a little bit, but I'm looking at the connections between what we wear and how we feel. So particularly links between um, our everyday dressing practices and mood. Um, And then another bit of research I'm just starting, I won't mention just yet. And um, I also lecture at the London College of Fashion, which is part of UAL here in London, um, which is the University of the Arts. And I provide comments to the media and to companies to help them understand how people make use of clothing above and beyond just purely following trends or just purely to keep warm. As fan, it's good, it's good to be warm, but we use it for more than that. So that's kind of what I do. Oh, that's so interesting to me. I would love to start and start back when you know you what originally drew you to study psychology oh. and when when did that intersect with fashion when was that moment of taking both of your interests and finding mm-hmm. a way to sort of see where they overlap mm. well so i started i decided to study psychology when i was quite young but I decided to professionally study psychology to train to be a psychologist when I was about 16 or 17. And yeah, when I was um, kind of like doing my A-levels and my psychology teacher at the time said, I said, well, what can I do? And she said, well, it sounds like you're really interested in education. I said, I am. And just generally learning. And you're really interested in kind of like school-age children and making sure they um, have opportunities to learn and you know you're a curious person so why not try educational and child psychology and I looked it up and I thought that's exactly me because for me there are many things that can happen in a person's life but whatever happens in your life the one thing nobody can take away from you is your education once you have it so my I'm very passionate about learning and about everybody having the opportunity to learn So I was very interested in that role and working in schools or with adults to make sure that any potential barriers that could get in the way of a child learning were minimized, whatever that might be. So I went for that, was doing my doctorate and partway through doing my doctorate to become a child in educational psychology, I became interested in 
the psychological side of what people wear and the impact of that. Mm-hmm. And it's because I started to notice, you know, friends going through these periods of changes where they've lost a lot of weight, they've gone through breakups, they are um, just growing up and like just questioning yeah. who they are. And the way people are talking about themselves and clothing as well, you know, friends saying, oh, I don't, I don't bother with fashion. What's the point? You know, um, I can't look like the people in the magazines or I don't go to this shop because it's not for me. And mm-hmm. I just think this language people are using, there's something more to this. It's not as simple as I wear blue jeans. I like blue jeans. There was something about people distancing themselves from what they believe to be fashion, almost kind of like a for fear of rejection or um, due to feeling on the outside, so the outskirts of that already, or it's saying something about them trying too hard. Over here in England, we have a thing about people who are seen to be trying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. We don't like to be seen to be trying. Mm. So it's, you have to always be kind of like very calm, collected, understated, not too attention seeking, not too showy. So you don't want to be seen as like trying to look good. That would be like a bit of a faux pas. So I decided while I was um, doing my doctorate to do a professional styling course. And when I was doing that professional styling course, it was fantastic. I learned a lot about body shape, color, dressing for TV, um, the the different brands, how they're cut differently for different heights, body size, which I didn't know at that point. I just thought you'd have shopped wherever. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) But when I was doing that, again, there, I had questions about how, people who were trained to be stylists spoke about the people they were working with not all of them by far but just like one or two kind of made comments like oh I don't like to dress or work with people who are over a size 14 which I don't know what size that would be in America um <laughs> but it's not it's, sure it means slightly fuller figured okay sure. so and I was like what does that mean like everybody needs to wear clothing why are some better than others that's that's not your role your whole role is make people feel better and yeah. no question of why that person had come to them at that point in their life to seek support. And people kind of saying, oh, you know, I I prefer just to get their credit card and go shopping without the clients so they don't get in the way. And I just thought, but it's all about them. How do you know what to buy them if you don't know who they are? So yeah. on that side, I was doing the styling work and there was very little attention paid to who the person was on the inside. And on the other side, I was doing my doctorate where we continuously focused on how people presented and felt on the inside with no or little thought about how they presented on the outside. And I had these two worlds, like huh. they, they, they cross over. I don't know why we're splitting this way and why as psychologists, we don't think about the external presentation of a person as well. When we all know if you walk out that door in the, in the morning, wearing an outfit that you don't like, that will infect your, not infect, affect your mood for the day. You'll be like, oh, I don't feel comfortable in this. I don't feel confident in this. Why have I got it on? So there's something psychological going on there, but it wasn't being attended to. So that's mm. what we started. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a long I, story, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next because I think that's just so fascinating because it's so true. And I think that there is something about combining the two that people don't like to do. So like, I think that there's this like idea that maybe it's like vain to think Mm -hmm. that if you pay attention, that, that you can rely on something external to make you feel good, right? Like that there's something vain about that. But the reality is, is like, we all are affected by this. Like we've all felt it at some point. I know I feel it. Like, I know I feel so much better when I feel good in the clothes. And then I, I know when I'm like going out for something and I'm like, nothing is like working. And I just throw something on. Yeah. And you just throw something on and you leave and you still are kind of like, Oh, this doesn't feel right. And so like, that's so fascinating because I guess like I never really paid attention to it to that extent. Like it's just, sort of felt like this is just a thing and it's not really like anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I just think that that's so interesting and fascinating. So what would you say to people that say that like, that's vain or that like, uh, you should, that you shouldn't be relying on, you know, outside sources to make you feel better inside? I'd say we we don't rely on them, mm-hmm. but I think it's more of a case of just taking it into account and noticing because yeah, there are so many things and so many factors around us, in us, 
happening in the world that impact on our mood, our well-being, our confidence, our ability to take on the day. There are so many things that some some are within our control, some outside of my control. If I am trying to get to a meeting and here in London, there's often delays on the tube network. I can't control that. It's going to affect my day, have a knock on effect, might affect my mood, whatever. I can't control that. That's just one factor. But it's not vain to notice what you feel most comfortable and what you feel most yourself in. If 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 you are a middle-aged man and what you feel most comfortable in is wearing a nice heavy cable knit jumper and like neutral colors like dark blue or gray, fine, so be it. Nobody is saying that you have to be a runway fashionista. <laughs> We're just saying that clo- what we I am just saying is that clothing plays a bigger role in our lives than we give it credit for. Mm. That, and I think what happens sometimes with psychology and other fields is that we're academics and as academics we like to um, kind of portray ourselves as only giving our attention to scholarly kind of worthy pursuits and fashion falls outside of that you often have the sciences and you have the arts now psychology falls in the sciences and fashion would fall within the arts and it's when they cross over People don't always sit comfortably with that. This is not the only place it crosses over. You see in kind of kind of like social psychology areas or sure. psychology, um, you know, but but it's not as common. So I think people just think, you know, it's not not worthy of our time, that it's a bit um superficial mm. and frivolous. And isn't it all just a bit of fun? And why are you giving this much time and attention to something that's not really worthy of our time and attention? But I would say to them, but there's still a reason today that you are sat there wearing what you were wearing. And I guarantee if instead of wearing your cable knit jumper and your jeans, I put you in a pink tutu, you would not be sat there. (laughs) That is so, that is such a good point. That is such a good point. I hadn't even thought about like the the perception of fashion being sort of like this frivolous, like fun kind of artsy thing. Mm. Wow. 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 So what have you, what have in your research, what have you discovered about those effects, you know, beyond, you know, just the surface level of like a field makes you feel better, but what have you discovered about crafting a wardrobe that you like and that fits you well, that, uh, that improves someone's overarching well-being? It's more from yeah, from working with people, I would say, I've, I've noticed this and rather than from direct research, but kind of maybe observation and speaking with people and working with people. But what I have noticed is that people do use clothing to try to manage, I'd say, in the way, in, in different ways. So let's say, for example, if you're feeling a bit down, hmm. you're more likely to put on the things that make you feel comforted. Mm. it might be something that reminds you of somebody it might be something that was gifted to you it might be something that feels kind of fluffy and soft it might be something oversized something warm it might be something just that's very familiar something that reminds you of a child. it could be anything but often when we feel low we'll turn to things that are kind of like have symbolic meaning for us or mm-hmm. particularly comfortable um I'm just thinking also that people, what I've seen the biggest difference is in people who, before thinking about the impact that clothing has on them, mm-hmm. tend to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And people who say, oh, I couldn't possibly wear that, I couldn't do that, or I don't care what I wear, I'll just throw on anything. And when we work together, it turns out they won't throw on anything. There are quite narrow perimeters as to what they're willing to actually throw on. <laughs> Um, that when we dig into that and we start to challenge those narratives and push them a little bit more then it kind of really does bolster a person's confidence and also bolsters their feelings of competency and autonomy and what I mean by that is their ability to really craft their own style and to take ownership of it when people sometimes say oh I don't care about fashion I don't anything it's almost a kind of like a a, an apathy Mm -hmm. and just being passive within their style but taking that ownership instead you do see people's confidence improve they're more likely to go you know if they need something new they know where to look they know what they want they know what to buy they don't end up with a wardrobe full of random things they don't ever wear or they don't know how to put together or they don't feel good in they're more likely to know what they want 
and how they want to feel in it. They right. know what course to go to. They, you know, they're more able to carefully and in a considered way curate their wardrobe and to move through the world a bit more confidently in what they are wearing yeah. rather than just being at the mercy of, oh, well, I just threw this on. That's what I've noticed in some people. And also just taking more risks sometimes. When you start to question those narratives people have about fashion and what they can and can't wear, they can't show their arms, they can't show their legs, or they can't wear bright colors, they can't wear patterns, all of these like rules they have, this massive rule book. And you break down, when did you write this rule book? And how did who 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 contributed to each chapter in this rule book? And you break it down, you look at where those messages and those narratives came from. Are they from advertising? Are they from society? Are they from messages from your friends, past relationships, family, from whole like um, hang-ups when you're a teenager? There'll be a whole raft of things. And when you unpick those, it when you bring them into a person's attention, it allows them to notice them and then to let them go. So yeah. you'll see people often then kind of saying well actually you know what I've always just believed I can't wear things that are sleeveless or strappy so I just don't and then you question it you challenge it and then they try it and they challenge that narrative and then they can push past it wow so that does happen sometimes as well that is so fascinating because there's almost like this yeah it's this layer of like worthiness right yeah 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 this this like getting to a place to feel like worthy to worthy of trying worthy of trying worthy of like things that you know like you said that someone told them that they didn't look good in x y and z or that like something about them didn't fit that type of color or style or whatever and so it's like it truly is all tied in i don't know if you've ever watched the older show what not to wear what not to wear with with gokwan no, so it's it was an I think it was like early two thousands, and it was in here in the U.S. and it was it reminds me so much of that television show because it was essentially they someone would nominate a person, and yes. <laughs> yes, and then they would go in and they would throw all their clothes out, and then they would take them shopping and teach them how to style and wear things you know on there. And then it really was like a testament to what you're saying, Hmm. because most of those people at the end of that episode were like transformed. Yeah. Inside and out. Yeah. Like the confidence Hmm. that they felt, you know, it was so obvious, you know, and there was, there was some controversy that came afterwards, like, oh, you know, changing people and making them, you know, not feel whatever. but. I just like don't see it that way because when you watch the the results, mm. their, their reaction and the way that they like even stood differently, yeah. yeah. At the end, because you cut they at the end they they have them have a big you know party with all their friends and family and they have like a new hairstyle and new clothes and this <laughs> and that and like even their friends and family being like oh my god like this person never acted like this before they never felt seemed this confident you know. And it's just so obvious that 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 is what happens. Well, we get stuck. We get stuck in like in how we dress, how we present, how we think about ourselves. We're so used to seeing our faces and our bodies day in, day out. There you are again, whatever. You know, you, you <laughs> get stuck in this pattern and life is busy. You've got work, you've got family, you've got responsibilities. You don't have time to be trying to revamp your wardrobe. Yeah. So the that, that kind of do help, but I will say that's massive, obviously massively wasteful, like throwing out all their clothes and yes, or no wardrobe. When reality, all you need to do actually was to look through that person's wardrobe and help them think about the things they do wear, the things they don't wear, what they right. need to do. Can they upcycle? Can they, do they need to let out waistbands, take them in? Do they need to like shorten the leg of a trouser? What is it about? 100%. I think it needs to be more about teaching the person as Mm -hmm. to what's working, not working for them and what they like and what they don't like. But there is something about seeing yourself in a new light Mm. does something for a person because sometimes it's hard to get out of your own way. Like even I know I will stick to the same things and I, will sometimes try to take a risk, but very tentative. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yep. yep. But if you're thrown into it, you know, yeah. it can be quite freeing and liberating because you haven't done it. 
and you haven't had the chance to second guess yourself and go, oh, but nobody can't, but what if this and da 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 da, and you just jump in, you know, both feet first. And it can be, like I said, very freeing to get. Yeah. I relate to that. Like, I feel like I totally stick in a little box. And then, you know, I think in the last several years is when I've tried to like start kind of dipping my toes in other areas. What is your box? I'm curious now. What is, what is your style box? You know, I live in New York, so it's like lots of black, (laughs) (laughs) lots of like black, white, gray, like not too many colors. And I think in the last couple of years, I tried to like like I'm wearing a bright shirt right now. Yeah, and like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to expand beyond that. I, uh, uh, patterns are like not really a thing in, in my wardrobe. And so like, definitely like has been an effort for, for me to personally be like, okay, I need to start like expanding beyond just that, which is so funny because I think when I was younger, mm. I was a lot more adventurous. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've become less adventurous. I think when I was in high school, I was so much more like, ooh, let's throw this on and this color and like try and figure out which ways this matches with that. experimenting still and your sense of self is not set, not solidified. Yes. 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 And I loved clothes my whole entire life. I've always been like a fashion clothing person. And then I think like something, like I just dampered down as I've gotten older, but yeah. So it's just interesting. It's just interesting because it's like when now, when I do go shopping, I'm like, sometimes I feel like I need like someone else there to be like, no, no, try this, try this thing, you know, (laughs) try that thing that you weren't going to try. What you do is you buy the same things. You've got one thing. And when that wears out, you either should, should repair it. But what we know people do is they go, Oh, I've, I've not got that pair of jeans anymore. They go buy the same pair or a similar style and they just replace Mm, yeah 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 absolutely cool so I wanted to talk a little bit about like on the topic of you know repairing and and all those kinds of things I wanted to talk about sustainability and fashion I kind of briefly mentioned before we started recording that I've kind of been on this personal journey of like trying to navigate all of this and I think I discovered recently that I was like, huh, like, why am I so passionate about sustainability and fashion? And I think it's because growing up, I was always really into fashion, but I was also not wealthy. And, you know, we were low income. And I think when you're low income, you only think you can shop, you know, I mean, you can only really shop at fast fashion, you know, places Mm -hmm. where you can, but there was a mentality of like, get as many clothes with as little amount of money and I remember that being a a thing and feeling really good you know shopping but like not spending you know tons of money and I I think that like in, in the last several years was when I started to really discover you know the damages of shopping fast fashion and and overconsumption and not only on the environment, but on who's making the clothing and the types, the materials that, that are, you know, being used. Mm. So I guess I'd, I'd like to hear more about as someone who is shopping for people, styling people, like how do you incorporate sustainability? And can you talk a little bit about why there's overconsumption and why fast fashion companies are so appealing and successful so i can do the second part of that question but not the first because i don't okay. really sell people anymore i used okay. to <laughs> but, yes, but um why is fast fashion and consumption so appealing mm. i guess oh, there's so many reasons isn't there yeah. you know there is that oh, constant advertising mm. yeah mm-hmm. you walk on the street there'll be an advert for a fast fashion brand on the side of the bus There'll be an advert on the billboards that you go down into the tube station. Yeah. There'll be an advert on the newspapers that are free on the seats. So they're just continuously there. You open your phone, it's mm. there on social media. Yep. So it's like you're bombarded nonstop with these messages that just say, you should have, you should have this, you should have this, you should look like this. And that you should always be wearing new outfits. It seems like people on social media always are wearing a different outfit. In yep. every post, sometimes multiple times a day. And I'm like, one, how do you have this much time on your hands to get changed that many times? 
don't. <laughs> I, sometimes I'm so busy. I feel like I'm like half get dressed and then get on with work. So I'm like, okay, that's already hats off to you. How are you doing that? But it kind of, what it does for people is it creates a sense of trying to keep up. Mm-hmm. Keep up with the Joneses. These kind of faceless people, well, they're not faceless, but these people we don't even know. Yeah. And you're trying to keep up with them because that is being presented as the the kind of social and societal norm that this is how people your age dress this is how people your age shop this is how they're presenting so you should too and that's how we kind of work as humans that we look to our peers for cues and for signals as to what we should be doing at any given time as to what's appropriate and what's not appropriate so we're always checking we're Mm. checking our language our behavior our interactions so when you look around and you're checking and that's the information that's being fed back to you it's going to influence your behavior so that's going on there's also the fact that having new things is quite moorish you know, you you get something, you go, oh, it's just for me. Mm. It's a treat. You've got this brand new thing in your hand. People, we like novelty. From when you're a baby, you are drawn to novelty. It's how we learn. Our yeah. brains hone in, zone in on it, in that you see something new, you drawn to it. It's how you focus on that new thing. And then you become familiar with it and you learn what it is. Mm-hmm. You see a new baby. And um, adult pulls silly faces at it. The baby will stare because it's yeah. novel. It's new. And then it learns, okay, this is a funny face. And then you notice the baby after a while kind of loses interest. That's habituation. It means the child's got bored of that now onto the new thing to learn. With clothing and with shopping, same thing happens because mm-hmm. you get something, it, your brain is attending to it. It's new, it's novel, but it doesn't last. Yeah. That's why we all have wardrobes full of stuff that are no longer holding our attention. Because that kind of, ooh, it's shiny, it's new, does not last. Nothing is new forever. So I think it's about recognizing that that is what your brain is doing. And, yeah. you know, all those lovely lights in the shop that make them look so shiny, they are perfectly curated to draw your eye like little magpies drifting around all the shiny new stuff and yeah. doing it up. But knowing you're not going to feel like that about that item or that garment in a week, two at max. Yep. It's just, it's such a short-lived thing. So that's what happens to us. Society yeah. tells us buy, buy, buy. Our peers around us look like they're buying, buying, buying. We see shiny, we see new. Our brains switch on. And then also, obviously, we get that kind of uh, hit of the feel-good hormone that makes yep. us feel good when we buy things. But then we know that massively declines the moment you own it. So when you pay for the till, after that, it just goes down. Yeah. So all these things kind of come together and the perfect storm to try to make us buy. But once we're aware of that, you can almost punctuate that cycle. It's almost like an addiction. Yeah. That's where you're going to say that. Yes. When you kind of, if you're able to go cold turkey, you don't crave it as much. Like I don't have many vices, but um, not that I'm perfect, but sweet, sweets for me are awful. So (laughs) (laughs) I know at any one point, if I, if I'm eating too many sweets, which I am at the moment, then if I can go at least two days without eating any sweets, my cravings drop right off. Wow. And my brain stops telling me every two mm-hmm. seconds, Dion, you really need some sweets. It doesn't. It's the same thing with shopping, that you punctuate that cycle and then the kind of um, the links that are happening in your brain and those connections, they get they get weaker, like an addiction. Absolutely. I was going to say that it feels, it definitely gives me that, that like addiction vibe because so in 2021, I that was when I was really deep diving into all of this. I was like, why? Why do we consume so much? You know, why? Why do I when I have a bad day? Why do I want to go shopping? Like, what? Well, you know, like where? Where? You know, where is that disconnect and like that impulsivity to just shop and buy? And even if I don't have the money, like just buy it. And uh, that year, I, I I took the I my new year's resolution that year was not to buy a single like new piece of clothing. So I was like, I'm going to go the full year. I can thrift if I really need something, but otherwise, and I, and I actually did it, which I'm like so proud of myself because I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. And it was that, that sort of punctuation of that cycle, because what I learned in that year was to pause. Like that really was 
what I got from that year was like when I would get that urge to want to buy something and I already knew you're not allowed to buy something new. That's it. So like you can look, but you can't buy it. And, and what I just had to, it was like an addiction. I had to unfollow all of the clothing brands that I followed before. So I wouldn't see it. Yes. Like I I unfollowed all of it. I unfollowed everything that had to do with clothing. I like unsubscribe from all the emails, like just everything, just out of sight, out of mind. So I wouldn't be tempted. And when I did get like, oh, I need to buy something. I'd go to the thrift store. Thrifting takes time. Mm -hmm. There's patience. You know, if I want a particular type of pants or shirt, I can go and look, but they might not have it. So it was like so much slowing down, you and know, they did that. they might not have it. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And it's okay. Yeah, like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, and it really changed my entire, like that addiction, that, that addiction cycle. And so now it's like, I hardly shop anymore. Mm. Hardly. Because I paused so for a whole year, essentially. And now it's like, if I want something, it's very specific. And I'm like, okay, I want this particular thing. I'll try to look for it, you know, thrifting, which since I know it takes time, it's like more, it takes me longer to like do that process. And then I'm like, okay, like, you know, so it just has like changed my whole perception on all of it. I was just thinking there about, um, I was speaking with a friend of the day who's very fantastic in the sustainability field. Yeah. Uh, and we were talking about shopping and there's a massive uh, shopping center near us, like a huge, huge one. And I was saying, I was walking through there the other day and I just went through and I didn't feel the pull for all the shiny mm. shops. I went straight to my favorite food shop and just like did my shopping and, and left. And I thought it, it has such a different representation and feeling for me now these days. Yep. Whereas before... Like years ago, if I'd have walked through, I would have been stopping to look at every new thing in store. I could tell where the new drops were. That was here last week. That's new in just by looking like that and just know so quickly. And then always come out with buying things, not even considering do I need it, but that's nice. I want it. I just had to have it. And it for me, as you were speaking there, it kind of reminds me of just that kind of old adage of, you know, you know, once you know how the sausage is made, but once you, (laughs) that's it. Yes. Yeah, once you know how the sausage is made and all the nice stuff that goes in there, when you see the sausage on the plate, they're not as appealing anymore. Mm-mm. And now I know um, so many of us are aware of what goes on behind the seeds, scenes with fast fashion and what it takes for those clothes to get there, what they're made of, and they're basically just glorified bits of plastic. Plastic. Overpriced. They are not as as appealing. I've, I've seen 100%. I don't want any of that grizzle. I'm okay. I was just going to say that. Like once... Once you learn something, once you know something, you can't unknow it. And, you know, it's even the after effects and seeing the piles of clothing and like chili and, you know, and clothing being burned. And and once you learn so much of all of this and the, the surprising thing is I still am around so many people that are unaware. Yeah. There's still a lot of people that don't know the realities uh, behind Mm. fast fashion and even brands that you don't even think of as fast fashion like like the immediate fast fashion where you're when you start to realize like a lot of these companies may present like they're not but Mm. they're still doing a lot of unethical things behind the scenes yeah yeah and that that is what's most shocking to me because I think with so many resources like why why are there still so many people consuming H&M Zara because it makes feel good yeah and and, you know it's a self-protection or a defense not deep diving into the stuff and scrolling past those posts that are showing piles of clothes in Chile and in Ghana you don't want to know you know people know the risks of smoking people still smoke you could Mm. ask why but the fact of the matter is you're you're not going to look for holes and deficits and problems in something that makes you happy and Mm. you know shopping gives you short-lived boosts but if you don't know that that is short-lived and why it's short-lived, then you're going to keep just chasing 
that boost yeah. and that high. And you're going to believe, well, I have fun shopping. I do it with my friends. It's an activity. It's something to do. It's something to do when I'm home and I'm bored. I can just hop on my phone and scroll through and I can treat myself and blah, blah, blah. You can talk yourself around in circles, give yourself a thousand reasons to keep buying that fast fashion. Yeah. And you're probably going to say, well, I'm not as bad as. You're going to do this mm. thing as well. So I think you're not going to, you're not going to know until you choose to acknowledge. Sure. You know, the mo- but many people aren't silly and they know the moment they choose to truly acknowledge, like you said, once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. So you don't really want to, to spoil your own fun. Mm, that's true. That's Ignorance very true. Bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, absolutely. I think also a, a big excuse or a big reason is money. I think a lot of people when I've spoken about it with just peers or, you know, people that I work with or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, but it's what I can afford. Which I think is fair. Depends. But at the same time, I'm not like this wealthy, like deep rich person. But you, when you start to understand clothing and, and the industry, you start to be like, right, but you're probably spending the same amount because you buy that one thing you wear it once and you go buy another thing yeah or it will be in the bin after a year because it's it, it's so badly stitched right it's hanging on by like it's literally you can see little holes in the gaps when you look through the seams and the material is so thin and it's mostly plastic it's mostly like polyester and yeah it's like you know the sometimes the postage costs more than the item you're like what what <laughs> <laughs> How is that possible? And I, like I said, I think I said in the post, you know, people who are struggling financially and those that have a little bit less and say, this is really is all I can, can afford are not the mm. problem. Mm. You don't have money and you need clothes for work or you need clothes for your children and you see this clothing which is affordable, you aren't the person that is buying bags and bags and doing hauls on Instagram. You are not that person. You are not the person with getting deliveries day in, day out sure. of new garments, of, of dresses to wear out of the weekend with your friends for this event. This that's It's not you. Right. And if you, if you haven't got the money, you're the person that maybe you might be buying these fast fashion items, but you're trying to make them last because you haven't got the money necessarily to go right. out and buy more the next day. Right. You know, if it was just people or not, not, I'm not saying that, you know, um, we should have almost like a class system for, you know, different brands or whatever. And that only poorer people should buy from the fast fashion. I'm saying that if it were, if you can't blame them, because if it were only them, there would not be these piles on the actually and in Ghana that it's just nonsense to blame it all on them. Yeah. 100, 100%, 100%. And so I wanted to, see your perspective on what your advice is for people to pay attention to their shopping habits, not only for sustainability reasons, but also for their well-being. Like what are your sort of, what's your advice to people listening who are like, okay, I want to pay more attention to my shopping habits and the types of clothing I'm getting. What, what types of things do you keep in mind it depends what type of well-being you mean. So I'm just thinking about um, the fact that right now we're kind of in the middle of like a bit of a, an economic crisis. People are really yeah. struggling, struggling financially. So it might be that people are thinking about their financial well-being. So, you know, stressing, you know, I don't know how it is in America. I'm probably going the same way that electricity bills are gone absolutely crazy. Gas bills are crazy. Yes. You're in New York, so I know rents are crazy already. So yes, <laughs> the same here. So I guess we're thinking about that. That has a knock-on effect on your well-being, how happy you feel and how confident you feel. Blah blah blah. But um, I would say the best thing you can do is what you did and just pause mm. as long as you can. Like so, if you find yourself walking through a Shopping mall. I'm not saying shopping mall like in America. Shopping center. Sorry, <laughs> I was the American version. Then and I was like, we don't have shopping malls. Through <laughs> <laughs> a shopping center, and you see something nice. Fine, look at it, make a note of it, give yourself a few days or even a week, mm-hmm. and then see. Do you still are you still thinking about that item? Look through your wardrobe. 
look and say, okay, if I get the item, can I make at least three other outfits with it? Can I incorporate it? If you can't incorporate it into your wardrobe, then you'll realize, like, well, actually, where am am I going to wear it? What am I going to wear it with? And actually, now I've had time to think about it. I'm not sure it was that nice or I really, really want it. So just give yourself that time to process because what happens when we are impulsive and we see something shiny and new is that it's more likely the old part of our brain, like the amygdala, the response part of your brain that kicks in and goes, ooh, that hunt, gather, grab, fine. Mm. And what you haven't done is given time for your kind of like frontal lobe to come online with your reasoning part of your brain just to really weigh things up. So just give your brain yeah. a moment and that chance to process and make a considered decision. If you can do that, just even write it down on your phone, take a picture of it if you like. Go home, hold the picture up to see, does it work with these trousers? Does it work with these skirts? Does it work with these shoes? Can I make use of it? I think that's one thing you could do. The other thing is if you know that you are maybe like a big online shopper and you know the moments when you're most likely to shop then try to interrupt that so let's say for example I know I have friends who shop online when they sit down in the evening to watch tv they're not really watching it I guess they've got tv on and they're scrolling put on your favorite show but then put your phone out of reach yeah. So that you are not just what happens is you end up mindlessly scrolling and you're not giving your attention to the show you're watching one and you're not giving your full attention to the task at hand of when you're shopping. So you might end up with things in your basket that you haven't again given your full attention to yeah. and you've ended up just buying things for the sake of buying things and you haven't really considered. You just kind of, it's just like a you know you might as well be knitting or <laughs> A crossword it's just keeping your hands busy isn't it that's sure. a moment it becomes very um almost instinctive very reflexive it just becomes a habit so it's about breaking those habits put your phone out of reach pause give yourself time and also do your research like like yeah. we are both aware of what's going on behind the scenes the damage that fast fashion does and I think the well-being of other people in this world is also our well-being so I think if you are aware that when you go into your favorite store and you hold up a cute little topic oh my god it's so cute I've got to have it if when you if you have done your research and you've done your reading and you've increased your awareness the next time you go into that store and you hold up that little top you will not just see that little top Mm -hmm. you will see all the hands that have touched that top to get there to you most of them that have been um, exploited, um, unfairly paid, have had to live and work in unsanitary conditions. You will see all of the emissions that have been generated by flying that, the 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 dyes and the material and the pieces around the world to get it to you. And suddenly, it won't look so cute. Yeah. So I think uh, it can't be good for your well-being to buy an item that once you are aware of the harm that it might have caused, that that could be good for your well-being. I know that I've been in situations sometimes where I've walked past the store that I won't name it because I'm going to give it any air. And it used to be my Achilles heel. I love that store. And as long as I look at it, it looks all gleaming and nice. But actually, now I just get a slightly icky feeling. Mm-hmm. I think, actually, no, no. Yeah. And it, that that helped me. And then yeah. and I'll buy the item. If I were to, it's not good for my well-being because what do I feel? I feel guilt. Mm-hmm. so now now what do I do with this item it's, it's kind of it's not brought me the joy that it used to anymore so that's what I would that's what I would say yeah that's that's wonderful advice oh Thank and you. also one more thing would be obviously if there's an item that you really really want and you've seen it and you've given it time and you really want it just buy it pre-loved just go on any of the fantastic um resale sites that are out there and search for it because we know there is more than enough clothing in this world just on the just circulating everywhere that that item that's in stock now is probably already online because somebody already bought it and changed their mind and is just relisting it so just buy the pre-loved version yeah if you, if you must it's quite simple yeah absolutely absolutely that's such good advice um so I want to start to wrap up and I would love to hear what keeps you life curious. So what sort of lights your fire? What keeps you going? What's something that really generates this curiosity and urge to continue learning? Uh, I'm going to give a pretty not very helpful answer. 
in that I'm just a naturally nosy person. <laughs> Gently. That's what led me to be a psychologist in the first instance. As right. Well. 16, 17. I'm, I'm nosy. I like to know why things happen, how things happen, how people see things. So that also, and I, and I love learning. So that's yeah. also just inherently me. I'm yeah. a, I'm a person who gets quite uncomfortable in comfort in terms of when I feel like I'm, I'm standing still. Mm. Or, yeah. I, I kind of experience it as kind of like a stagnation. So mm-hmm. that is just me. So yeah. I am just a very curious woman in myself yeah. in, in, in both senses of the word, I'd probably say. And I just always want to know more. Yeah. Because there's always more to learn in this world. You look out the window and there are a thousand questions out there. Yeah. I just do not know yet. So I just say, because, you know, I am nosy and I always want to know more and I care about the world that I live in. That's, that's just what, what keeps me curious, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Last question. Okay. Who is your favorite life curious woman? So it could be someone... Oh personal it could be historical famous not famous whoever that's a, that's a very hard one <laughs> honestly ah uh, uh, my favorite life curious woman I mm, 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 mm. I'm gonna go uh probably a bit cliche and probably said a thousand times over but I'm gonna go Maya Angelou mm, Maya. yes was when I was about 14, 15, I think I read her book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know many people on the show must, must have said the same person, but just reading everything she had gone through yeah. in her life and the yeah. way she kept striding forward mm-hmm. to me is phenomenal. And I just, I just, so many things happen in her life that you think at that point, if this was a film, you get that scene where the woman kind of curls up in the shower and cries and just like breaks. That's what, like, I was like, in this chapter, surely that's what's going to happen. <laughs> is she in the shower yet? Is she crying? Still not, still not. Still not I, yeah. The way she persevered through life and she stuck to what she loved and the 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 the, the levels that she rose to are phenomenal. Yeah. And she seemed to be somebody who was curious about life, somebody who explored and, you know, mingled with so many different types of people and turned a hand to so many different things. Yeah. So many careers through her life, like a poet, a writer, a dancer, an educator. That's, yeah. that's my kind of woman. Like she's always evolving and yes. she's dwelling on the past, but continuously moving forward. And I quite yeah. like that. I think I'm nowhere like Maya Angelou, but I'm very forward looking and I'm always thinking, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Because there's always, like I said, so much more to learn and so much more to do. So I think that would be my, my life curious woman. Yeah. And I think maybe there are a lot more overlapping qualities than you're giving yourself credit. <laughs> I mean, a lot, the fact that you were able to find an intersection between psychology and fashion alone and, and, and be brave enough to pursue that you know, like you mentioned earlier, when fashion is viewed as something that's frivolous or or not yeah. as taken seriously. Yeah, not taken seriously. And to be brave enough to stand in that and say, no, it is something to pay attention to. And it is something that is serious and that affects us and something we should look at. You know, that that is <laughs> so yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. This has been really, really wonderful. I really appreciate you being so honest and open with all of us. So thank you. No, thank you for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Life Curious Women. If you'd like to stay connected, make sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player platform. We are consistently growing the show. And if you'd like to help in that, take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and review. It helps boost the podcast and show new listeners what you love about the podcast so that they will listen in too. If you think someone could benefit from this episode, make sure to share it with them or share it on social media and make sure to tag us at Life Curious Women. And lastly, one of the best ways you can stay connected is by signing up for our newsletter so that you get information on new episodes, updates with Life Curious Women events, and lastly, any updates with the Life Curious Women membership coming soon. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay life curious.